0: the life of Christ. It is my prayer and my hope that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior, will shine upon us all this morning. That we might hear these words of promise, that it might help us through the days to come. That the resurrection of our Lord in the empty tomb will be the hope that keeps us going when the day turns to night, when things are tough. That is the hope of the crucifixion and resurrection of Christ so this morning we celebrate the resurrection. And I want, to, I want us to think about what the resurrection means to us. What it means to us as a church, what it means to you as an individual... ...and how we ought to live in light of the empty tomb. So I'll begin reading in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 3, and we'll read through verse 14. But if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing... In their case, the God of this age has blinded the minds of the unbelievers... ...to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ... ...who is the image of God. For we are not proclaiming ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord... ...and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of darkness... ...has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of God's glory... ...in the face of Jesus Christ... Now we have this treasure in clay jars... ...so that this extraordinary power may be from God and not from us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. We always carry the death of Jesus in our body so that the life of Jesus may also be displayed in our body. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that Jesus' life may also be displayed in our mortal flesh. So then death is at work in us, but life in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith in keeping with what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak. For I know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us together with you. This is a beautiful passage about what the resurrection of Christ means, how we come to the Lord, how the Lord is revealed to us and through us. And that's what I want us to look at this morning. The first thing we need to know this morning is that even though We celebrate, and people will be saying on your social media and everyone, the Lord is risen, Christ is risen. Not everybody believes that. In fact, there are lots of people who will uh, come to church this morning out of tradition or to be with their family or for whatever reasons they are compelled to come. They don't know it and believe it either. Not really. If you do believe it, it is because the Bible says that God has revealed Christ to you. The first revelation of Christ comes not by just... Men, or by your good thoughts or by us thinking about Jesus and logically figuring out that he's risen from the dead. It is a revelation from God himself to you whom he loves. The Bible begins, the very first book, the very first chapter, the very first book, uh, verse of the Bible begins, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And he said, Let there be light. And there was light. That's how the word of God begins. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And God said, let there be light and there was light. And here in 2 Corinthians, Paul uses those words to show us what has happened to us. Even though we may not be completely aware of what has happened to us. Everything that you see, taste, smell, touch. Everything that you know. The seen and the unseen. All these things are made by God, and they're made for God. So are you. And in the beginning, he shed light on it by saying, let there be light. It says here that the others cannot see. You notice what Paul says here? He says they they cannot see. The God, in verse verse 4, it says, the God of this age has blinded the mind of unbelievers. They cannot see. God has said, let there be light, and there was light, but not everybody is walking in the light. Not everyone can see. They see the world with their eyes. They see the things which God has made, but they cannot make the connection that God is the one who made it. They can't rejoice in this creation as they should. They don't understand that everything was made by Him and for Him, and that even we ourselves were made by Him and for Him. The Bible says their minds are blinded. They cannot see. So why do you see? How do you see? Verse 6 says, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, he's paraphrasing Genesis 1:1, let there be light, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. That's resurrection, that's the new birth. God said, let there be light, and there was light. This is how you come to Jesus. This is how Christ is revealed to you. This is why you can worship today in spirit and in truth. This is why you can be here and be excited about the fact that the tomb is empty. Because our hearts, the Bible says, in the beginning the earth was formless and void. Formless and void is the King James Version. You may, it may, you may It may feel like to you that that means that the world was some sort of mud ball or, or wasteland, but it... In Hebrew, it really means it was a desolate, deserted place, like a desert. The Bible can describe deserts as, in Hebrew, formless and void, or desolate place. A desolate place. Your heart, my heart, was a desolate place. It was formless and void. We were ever seeking to conform to this world, to the likes of others. Maybe we were people pleasers. Maybe we had ambitions to, be, uh, to make a great career for ourselves, to make our name. Our hearts were formless and void. They were desolate of truth. And the Word of God says that God speaks to you through the gospel and says, let there be life. And it doesn't say... God said, let there be light, and there might be light. He says, let there be light, and there was light. When he says, let there be light in your heart, you will see that Jesus Christ is Lord. It is the power of God and the gospel. He reveals Jesus to us. Peter and John sprinted to the tomb when Mary came and said, Jesus' tomb is empty. They sprinted there. John beat him, but he was afraid to go in. He was was afraid to go into the tomb. He stopped, and Peter went in and found only the linen clothes. Of course he did. Because Jesus was not in there. He was risen. And I know that he was. Not because I was there. never seen Jesus face to face. I was not there when he was crucified. I was not there when he was buried. I was not there when Mary saw the empty tomb. I was not there when Thomas said, I will not believe unless I stick my finger in his hands and in his side. And Jesus appeared, said, no longer be unbelieving, but believe. I was not there. I've never seen Jesus with my face, with my eyes. But I know that the tomb was empty. And I know that he has risen. Why? Because the Father has said, let there be light. And there was light. We stumbled in darkness. We were imprisoned in darkness. And the Lord has set us free by whispering to us, Wake up. Wake up, child. I wonder this morning if some of you sleep. Maybe even some of us who believe have grown weary in doing good. Maybe in our Christian walk, we've forgotten that it really is the beauty of an empty tomb and the promise ...of life everlasting. You have so much to look forward to. God reveals the life of Christ to us. Jesus, who was crucified, dead, and buried... ...has risen to life again. And I testify to these things, as Paul says... ...because I've heard them and believe them to be true. There's nothing so beautiful as this. God reveals the life of Christ to us. First, it says here, our blinded minds are awakened... By the gospel call, our darkened hearts, the light of Christ is shown in here. And I love what he says, the knowledge of God's glory in the face of Jesus Christ. When you wake up, the first thing you see is his glorious face shining on you. Oh, he is good. He is risen. God reveals the life of Christ to us, but he also reveals Christ through us in our suffering. That may be a funny thing to talk about this morning on Easter Sunday because we're supposed to be celebrating the greatest event that ever happened, and we are. We are celebrating the greatest event that ever happened. But if we celebrate the resurrection of Christ without thinking about what it cost Him and what it will cost us, we're not doing any service to Easter. If we want to pretend like today, this morning, that we've come here and everyone is just so excited to be here, then we've really messed up. Because I know that some of you came here may not even want to get up out of bed and come this morning. But you did. And that's victory. And some of you come and you are happy and you're full of joy and things are going well and the Lord's filled your heart. But I'm telling you, some people in here and all, all over the place on this, this great resurrection morning, not everybody feels that way. But God reveals Christ to us not only through our joy, but also through our suffering. Revelation comes through suffering. The Bible says here that we are clay jars. You may have clay pots. You may have, if you're very intellectual, your, your Bible may say earthen vessels. That's the KJV right there, earthen vessels. It means clay pots. might take a little bit, a notch down, but that's what we are, clay pots, clay jars. He says that we have, he has hidden this treasure in clay pots. You ever had a clay pot, clay jar? What do you think about it? We we people love to have <laughs> people like to have granite countertops in their houses these days if you can afford them. Can you imagine setting a clay pot on a granite countertop? Would you be nervous about that? If you saw a five-year-old child playing with a clay pot over a granite countertop, what would you think? This is not going in well. Whatever's in that is fixing to come out, right? The point of Paul saying here that we are clay pots is that we are fragile. Brothers and sisters, we're fragile. Maybe some of you have experienced that already this morning. We're happy, we're sad, we're we're easily swayed. James says that if we don't have faith, we're like blown around in the ocean, tossed about by every wave to and fro. We suffer, we're like clay jars. But the Bible says here that God has hidden his treasure in clay pots. Nobody hides treasures in clay pots. Nobody keeps stuff in clay pots that they want to keep secure because they're not secure. We buy these magnificent safes that have these wheels. and You you go to the bank. Look at that thing, That, that, that monstrous safe that they have to keep money in. It's what they do with those safes. They keep money in there. And they got the safety deposit box in there. You got your stuff in there, your, your wheel maybe, and some other things. There's not even that much money in those safes. I'm just going to tell you, that big door is for show. <laughs> it makes you feel good. Oh, my money's safe in there. Your money ain't in there. Anyway, that's just an aside. The point is, we want to keep something safe We'll build a great big... This vault to keep it. When God wants to keep his treasure safe, he puts it in a clay pot. Something easily broken and shattered and ruined. That's where God puts his treasure. Why? Why has he put it in there in something so fragile? So that the world might know that the great power comes not from the vessel, but by the thing that's in it. We are clay pots, but we are invincible pots even though we break at the side of the well, the Lord will raise us again because the power we have does not come from us. And some of us today might be leaky, cracked pots. But the beauty of the triumph and resurrection of Christ is magnified when we we think about what He endured in order to save us. What did Jesus face in His time here? He faced rejection. Rejection from His own family rejection from His own people, He made them. He made every single one of them. Jesus Christ kept them alive by the will of His might like they would have died if He wouldn't have thought to keep them alive. He gave them the breath that they had to breathe and they used it to curse Him. They drew the gift in and on the way out they blew out cursing. Jesus Christ suffered. He faced persecution. He faced rejection. He faced disappointment. His friends didn't understand him. They left him. On the night that he was betrayed and crucified, they couldn't even pray with him for an hour. They fell asleep and left. He faced that disappointment. And then when he was arrested, they all abandoned him. He carried the burden of knowing that their hearts were sinful and that they were set on continuing it even if it led to self-destruction. He saw into the hearts of the people and he saw the confusion and sorrow and sin that was there and he knew that they would continue on their way to their own destruction. He saw it every single day. He saw all the foolish and self-destructive things that we do. He was pressured, he was perplexed, he was persecuted and he was struck down. For what? For telling the truth. And you will face these exact things that your Savior faced as well. You will face every single one of them in your pursuit of holiness. You have to. As you, as a child of lot with a great treasure hidden in this clay pot. You have a treasure in this clay pot. You must take it out to the world with your fragile self. And as you take this treasure out in the world and you push back against the darkness, the darkness will push back on you. That's how it works. That's how it's always been. The disciple is not greater than his master. No one is above their teacher. So it was with Jesus, so it will be with you. And as you pursue holiness, it will be hard for you because you'll have to cut out things that your heart wants to love that are not lawful. It will be hard on you as you pursue holiness. And so not only will it be difficult for you just to be holy as you pursue holiness, and as it is hard for you, you will offend others by pursuing it. They will not like it that you are trying to seek holiness. They will not like the truth that you bear. They will not understand the treasure that you bring. And so not only will you be struggling on the inside, you'll be having pressure from the outside. People will feel judged by your way because you are a follower of the way. They will be made uncomfortable by the truth because they are not of the truth. And it will anger them because their minds are blinded and they can't understand. Why can't you just let people be happy? Why can't you just let people get along? And you on the inside will feel that conflict every day. Remember this on Easter Sunday our Lord was a man of sorrows. The book of Isaiah says he was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. This is what he carried every day. You think about that, doesn't it make Jesus lovely? That he carried these burdens all the way to Calvary. That he carries them now. Because he still knows who we are and what we do and what we will do. And he keeps loving us. Understand this morning that there are others who are pursuing holiness who carry that burden. Paul says right here, We carry in our bodies every day the death of Jesus. Think about his death. He says, But also, because we carry around the death of Jesus in our body, we also carry around his life. The tomb is empty. The Lord is risen and death is conquered. But we still face trials here. We are still carrying the death of Christ in our bodies. And as Paul says elsewhere, to some we are the fragrance of life. To others, the fragrance of death. This is how we live in the world because the tomb is empty. Isn't that good news though? You keep going back to it, the tomb is empty. Eternal life is offered. But people do not believe. Some will not accept. And many among us suffer even today in their pursuit of holiness. Maybe even feel like they're failing. Maybe feel like they're a failure because they didn't want to come to church this morning, yet they came anyway. That's not failure, that's success. My prayer today is that the Father will crack the door in the darkness of your heart and that the light of Christ will shine in. That, that mustard seed of faith will blossom and flourish so that you can move mountains. God reveals Christ through us in our suffering as we endure with the hope that cannot be extinguished even when we're crawling on our hands and knees. God reveals Christ through us in our suffering He says here, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but never abandoned. We are struck down, but not destroyed. Though we fall, we will rise again. That's the beauty of the empty tomb. Righteous man may fall seven times, but seven times he will rise again. Hold on to that hope and that power. ...that's inside of you. You old clay pot. You have treasure inside you. God reveals Christ through us in our suffering... ...but He reveals Christ also through us in our life... ...despite our sorrows here. We show the world the beauty and the value of Christ... ...in His life, and the gospel... ...because we are a persevering people. We never... Give up. Not because we are so mighty, not because we have such powerful will, but because God never abandons us. We push through, we persevere, we continue where others might quit. We suffer heartbreak after heartbreak, we suffer trial after trial, but we never stop. And the world will see that that is the power of the treasure we have in this earthen vessel. We don't quit, we can't quit. We do not lay down. We do not give up. We fall, but we give up. We do not despair. We are not abandoned. We will never be destroyed. And I believe that there is a glory in store for us that we cannot now imagine. And in the darkest of night, you can still see that candle in the darkness. There is a glory in store for us that we cannot imagine. There is a life open to us that we have not yet dreamed. It is a hope a hope that Christ is risen, a hope that He is pleased with us, a hope that even now He sits, stands perhaps, at the right, hands of the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf. When He sees you low, He prays for you. He intercedes for us. When you don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. He sees you there. We will never abandon you, never. That is our confidence and our hope and our glory. And that's what keeps us persevering. With this hope, we can face any trouble, even death. Though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That's our testimony, even in the valley of the shadow. Because Paul says here, the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us from the dead. And it looked like to everyone that Jesus had been defeated. His disciples were confused, scattered. He had been killed by the government because he upset their power and poked their pride and told them the truth. They thought they had finished it, and it may look sometimes like you're finished too. But the Bible says that God will raise us in Christ and present us together. We will rise even from death, because the tomb is empty and death is robbed of its victory. See, the wages of sin is death, right? The wages of sin is death. The gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. The wages of sin is death. Your bill's been paid. You don't owe death anything. You're free. Son of God has paid the wage which you owed. And so in that great day when it comes time for collection, death will find that your slate is clean and he cannot hold you for you've been ransomed. Christ's empty tomb means your empty tomb. Death has no hold on you. There is no more sting of death. There's no more fear of grave because death cannot hold you. You do not owe him anything. You're not his. You've been saved because the Father took pity on us. Saw our dark, formless and void, desolate hearts and took pity had compassion. He said, son, save them. Save them. Pay their debt. Pay it for them. Set it right so that death will have no claim on them. I'll raise you from the grave and I will raise them with you. And You will all sit at my right hand. Go save them, son. So he goes to Calvary, carrying your burdens and mine, and dies. And on the third day, the earth shakes and the father raises him from the dead. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. There's no fault found in him. Raised him from the dead. And here you are, 2,000 years later, lost in sin and the desolation of your own heart. The Father from heaven sees you and takes pity and says, Oh, my son. Oh, my son. Oh, my daughter. Look at that dark heart. Let there be light. And there was light. And you saw Jesus. And you thought, oh, what did Isaiah do when he saw Jesus? Woe is me. I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips amongst the people of unclean lips. I mean, I am ruined. We see Jesus and realize, "Uh uh-oh, he is the king. He is the savior, and I am a sinner. And the Lord's like, yes, I know. That's why I'm waking you up. Cast yourself upon the sun. You'll be saved. Where else would you go? He has the words of eternal life. Brothers and sisters, you did not make a great discovery. You were discovered by the great discoverer. He found you dead in trespass and sin. He found you in your desolation. He spoke life in your heart. And so this morning you can be and remember, like Mary, like Peter, like John, like the rest, the day you looked in that tomb and found it empty, he is risen. He is risen indeed. I remember when I, when God showed me the empty tomb. And he shows it to me in his grace every day. And that's how you keep going. That's how you keep loving. And that's how you keep persevering. Death is robbed of its victory, and listen, nothing that has been stolen from you will remain with the enemy. You hear me? Nothing that has been stolen from you will remain with the enemy. Our suffering and sorrow will be repaid a thousandfold in the life to come. All the tribulations and trouble that the enemy gives us in this world, he will be repaid. The joy, the love, the loved ones that have been stolen from us by the enemy, he will not keep them. He cannot. Our Lord has promised that anyone who follows him will be rewarded, not only in this life, but the one to come. He will wipe away every tear. There will be no more sorrow. That's what the empty tomb means. So my prayer this morning for you, Christian, for you, brother and sister, if you're suffering or if you're in great joy, good time, listen. I pray that you hear once again the Spirit say, God is your Father. Jesus is risen. Let there be light. There's someone here who's never heard. You might have heard, but you may not have heard. Because seeing you might not see, and hearing you might not hear. This morning I want you to hear it. I want you to hear what the Lord says. Let there be light. See the face of Jesus. He is the risen King. He is the Savior of the world. And he's coming back. He's bringing our loved ones with him. He is good and he is king. Let's pray.